Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Woo! Hi. Anything happened while I was gone? God knows I wouldn't know. By the way, I recommend, I recommend uh, tuning out. I believe Timothy Leary did the same thing from 50 years ago, and he came to a bad end. But I do recommend tuning out for whatever length of time you're able. Uh, it is rejuvenating. And um, I sit here, uh, a new woman. And I intend to keep her, actually. She's a lot more laid back, uh, a lot less uh, prone to uh, rage and overreaction. And uh, I guess the test will be if I, can, <laughs> if, I can, if I can keep her here, I can keep her anywhere. So we're going we're gonna to give it a, a shot. But I, I, I did learn that being on top of the news is really overrated. <laughs> it's it happens whether you're observing or not, um, and the impact on you is ameliorated somewhat by uh, ingesting it at your own speed, in your own time, and. Uh, I'll tell you what I did was I I eschewed I love that word always say gazuntite after it I eschewed social media so that I who was prone to checking Twitter 15 20 times a day easy didn't look at it once in a month Granted, the shortest month of the year, but did not look. And I hazarded a look this weekend and was reminded of why <laughs> it was a good idea not to look. Um, I, I, I guess what I learned is it's up to me and uh, each individual to sort of withstand the uh, constant onslaught uh, in their own manner. But uh, by virtue of my job, I felt I had no choice. And uh, what is going to uh, ensue here is an experiment, uh, I guess, as to whether or not it is possible for me to continue to do a program like this but not check my Twitter account uh, 15, 20 times a day. Uh, we'll see. Uh, every uh, day that I've driven in to do the show in the past, I have uh, listened on my satellite radio to uh, CNN, MSNBC. So the whole way in, I'm ingesting what I think is important stuff that I need to know up to the minute to come in and do this job. I didn't do it today. I had my own thoughts and blessed silence. And uh, I don't know. I really, I recommend it. So, where are we going here? <laughs> I, I mean, it's hard to know where to start, seriously. Um, one thing, uh, somebody pointed out to me um, I was talking uh, to a friend and saying I was a little worried that I would find that the program and prepping for the program would pull me back into this bad place that I was when I took the, <laughs> the month off. And understand that I took the month off uh, deliberately to engage in some uh, self-reflection about my uh, present and future and um, and because I really felt and I and I think my assessment was not incorrect 
that the show, as I was doing it, was killing me. Um, <laughs> and I have chosen not to die for my job. Uh, so let's just hope that I can uh, figure out a way to do this and with the kind of uh, more chill <laughs> aspect that and affect that I have uh, found in my little sabbatical, okay? Um, because I can't... I think what I felt, this is going to get a little confessional here and then we'll get into some meat. Um, I think what I felt, and maybe I was incorrect, but I don't think so, was that I felt like the expectation for, the, for you of this program was for me to be a voice, a, a conduit um, of the anger the fear, the discombobulation, uh, trepidation, and all that negative stuff that we're all feeling. And I think what I found is that being that voice and that conduit was um, just taking me out. <laughs> it, it was. So uh, we'll have to figure out how to do this without making me sick because I really think I was I would leave here sometimes with just blinding headaches I'm sure my blood pressure very elevated and one of the ways I was dealing with all the stress of this feeling that I was supposed to essentially uh, be this what is the I'm Hair. It's just like old times where she can't think of a goddamn word. Um, and now I've lost my train of thought, which is just absolutely... Anyway, I can... <laughs> well, back in the saddle again. Uh, anyway. Ha-ha. <laughs> so, I gotta tell you. Um, yeah, I... No, I was I was really not handling the stress of being an American, <laughs> and uh, on top of it, being a, a person who did a sh program podcast like this uh, very well. I was uh, drinking too much. I was smoking too much pot. I was binge eating every night. Um, I was unhealthy, and uh, so what I've done in the last month is <laughs> cold turkey. Uh, pretty much everything, and uh, I feel uh, a whole lot better. I really do. And I, I, if I, you know, so I'm just going to try to hang on to that. It's important, and more important than doing this program. I mean, I'm a friggin' old lady, okay? I'm well past the normal retirement age, okay? Tis true. As you know, I'm a bit addicted to the obituary pages, and it hasn't crossed my hasn't crossed hasn't uh i haven't failed to notice God damn it i haven't failed to notice that uh at least half of the decedents who are s strangely smiling at me from uh, their obituaries um are younger than i am and you know when your mortality starts to become very very apparent uh, yeah that does stuff to your head it makes you ask questions like and so Lynn what are you going to do with what little time you have remaining seriously I got a young person laughing over here that's what happens and one of the things I came up with is I'm going to not freak myself out about things over which I have very little control. Okay? So that's my hope. Well, it's more than my hope. 
It's my intent. <sighs> and that said, let's jump back in. Oh, I found a quote that I just love. Now, I know sometimes I find these quotes, I just love them, I say them to you, and I can just hear on the other end. I can feel uh, that they don't necessarily resonate with you, but I don't care. It's my show. So here's the quote. It's by Kierkegaard. I, I found it uh, while reading one of the, geez, probably seven or eight, maybe nine books that I read in the month that I was off. Oh, I so love, I so love books. I so love reading. Oh, my God. Okay, so anyway, this was a quote that was in one of the books, lifted and uh, I think uh, used by a character. It was in, in a fiction. But Kierkegaard said this, and man, is this true. <laughs> Life can only be understood backwards. Unfortunately, we have to live it forward. And there it is. Nothing ever makes much sense in our lives while we're in the midst of it, the can't see the forest for the trees thing. And it's only, as you well know, by looking back that you begin to put things together, that you begin to understand things. So the only way you understand anything is understanding what's back there, but we're forced to live forward, which is where a lot of stress comes from, because we're venturing into a, a void, a, an unknown, right? And, and I think these days, that unknown seems even more so, not just because of what's happened to our government, but also because of the uh, impact of the technology. And so right there, the stress of our lives is high. And that's not even talking about our individual lives of just dealing with work and friends and family and all of that kind of stuff. So needlessly exacerbating an already high level of stress seems to me to be stupid. Okay? Uh, life can only be understood backwards. Keep that in mind because if you're not understanding what's happening in the present, it makes perfect sense. And people who act like they do understand what's happening are full of, you know what, crap. Oh, Chuck says, you did tweet once. That's true, I did once. <laughs> I realized when I said I didn't, but that's different. I think what I said moments ago was that I did not check my Twitter. That remains true. I used my Twitter once. The day I used it to put a tweet out, I did not also then look at the feed. So what I meant was I did not look at the feed. My producer says then we rate this claim half true. No, I think it's, it was a little, yes, wobbly. Because actually putting a tweet out is not the same as ingesting. My thing with Twitter is ingesting it. Throwing crap into the swamp, is a, that's a different action. I, I did tweet once, and I tweeted in, in a fit of rage, which is what people do on Twitter. It's why it's such an awful thing when it's awful. I'd been denied entry to an airplane 
that I was holding a ticket for, and I could see the airplane right there. It was still on the ground, and they wouldn't let me on. We've closed the gate. But I have a ticket, and the plane's right there. We've closed the gate. This is the last. I, I said, there's no other flight. What am I... And we will not pay for you to sleep somewhere. You can sleep here in the airport. I mean, I was in such a rage, I couldn't see straight, okay? It was the one time I was in a rage the entire month. So, of course, I tweeted. Anyway, let's take our first call. Hello. Hello, Lynn. Welcome back. Thank George you. George Ramon. I can tell your voice, George. Hi. Oh, you can? Okay. I can. I recognize your voice. Oh, very good. Hey, I'll tell you, I, uh, I've been anticipating you coming back here for the last week. I know you put it off for another weekend, and I thought, she is in the zone. She's in the zone. I know she is. And when she comes back, this will be transformational. And goddamn, it is. You have uh, come upon what I call the age of wisdom ah. okay all right uh, let me let me get off my chest here first okay. uh, i'm but i'm 10 years older than you okay wow. so okay. uh you now have arrived at at inspiration <clears throat> i won't say divine i'll just say uh, uh galactic inspiration and uh you uh you have 10 years to catch up to me <laughs> uh, but you are talking about things that I have experienced over the last 10 years also, okay, which means adjust your life and focus in on priorities. Stop and smell the road, for God's sake. Well, yeah. You know that from the from your younger years yes. in the yes. 70s. Yes, 80s? oh, yeah. no, absolutely. Okay? Yeah. Okay, uh, everything that you read in the news is the way you've been doing the old school way. Uh, now you're starting to think on your own within yourself and come up with your own internal values and ideas that beat the hell out of reading the news every day and reacting. You are arriving in the zone of the age of supreme wisdom. Oh, I thought you were going to say the age of Aquarius. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say that, but I'll let you fill in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many things I can say. No, but I hear, I absolutely. He's quoting Kierkegaard at at 10.17 in the morning on the return from her sabbatical. Man, I'm waiting for you to go up to Mount Washington and sit there and, and get into a trance. I'm, I mean, this is. I am, uh, George. George. You, are, you have arrived at Mount Olympus yes. with the rest of us. George, I am. Old and the wise. I am meditating. I am meditating <laughs> once a day, too. <laughs> excellent, excellent. This is where you internal, you start using your internal experiences over the years. You're putting it all together and integrating it, and you're coming up with a different uh, summary and conclusion than you had in the past in your younger stupid days. <laughs> okay? Well, I'll <laughs> we, tell you. We I'm not saying you personally. No. I'm saying that we all are... Growing now, you think I'm t probably talking about transcendental meditation and all this other stuff and and, yeah. and Eastern philosophy? No, I no. think this is just humanistic stuff that happens to us. Yeah, and I do you, too. Uh, you, as a youngster, at the beginning of your trip into uh, this uh, older age and wisdom, but I want to say welcome, and I'm so glad you're back, and uh, <clears throat> you have renewed. My faith in womankind and humanity all at the same time. Thank you, George. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate yes. it. Truly do. And we'll, Thank talk, you. we'll talk more. Okay. I'm sure there's a line a mile long trying to get in here to talk. I don't know. But, they, but Thank uh, you. Thank you. Yes. Bye. Talk to you again. Okay. Thanks, dear. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Okay. Um, okay. Oh, well, see, Chuck, and I hadn't seen this. Chuck, when he said, you tweeted once, uh, did he agrees that it wasn't, aha, Chuck says, I thought. She couldn't resist. And then I discovered it was a rant on American Airlines, not a tweet on Trump, as I had expected. 
Yeah, so yeah, that's different. That's different. Uh... Roger writes, welcome back. While you were away, I joined a new running group and met a man named Tony. Can I can I interrupt that just for a moment because that brings me actually to the obituary of the day. Because this guy was in a running group. And uh, on May 6th, 1954, uh, this guy who was a medical student in London, uh, finished his shift at St. Mary's Hospital. So he had worked a full morning shift at the hospital. And then he got on an afternoon train to Oxford. And then he had lunch with some old friends. And then he put on his tracksuit and did something that nobody thought at the time was possible and that is run a mile under four minutes. And I'm talking, of course, about Roger Bannister, who uh, died, uh, I guess, yesterday at the age of 88. But, um, yep, he ran 359.4. And you know what's amazing, too, about this guy? A year later, he stopped running altogether. He retired at the top of his, I mean, he'd shattered, not shattered, he broke what was thought to be an unbreakable record for a human being. And then he uh, decided to devote all of his energies and time to his medical uh, profession. And he had a very long uh, career as a neurologist, uh, in fact. But um, I just wanted to note this uh, by Sebastian Coe, who set the world record in the mile three different times himself. He said he broke that record while he was running 28 training miles a week. I guess that's something that a, a mile... Uh, Myler would not do. He was running 28 training miles a week. He did it on limited scientific knowledge with leather shoes in which the spikes alone probably weighed more than the tissue-thin shoes that sprinters wear today. He ran it on a track that speedway riders wouldn't would turn up their noses at. And so far as I am concerned, says Sebastian Coe, that was one of the greatest runs of all time. And he he said it even though he ran faster, Sebastian Coe. But he ran faster with training methods, with better track, with better equipment, with better better everything. And... uh, the current world record, by the way, in the mile is 3 minutes 43 seconds. Uh, Roger Bannister, by the way, said he he learned to start running fast uh, because of the Nazis, uh, because he was a boy in the in the Blitz in Britain, and when the sirens went off, he said he'd run. <laughs> run like hell to uh, to shelter. His quote was, I imagined bombs and machine guns raining on me if I didn't go my fastest. So, Roger Bannister, by all accounts, uh, a, a, a good man in uh, every way. Okay, so that was Roger Bannister. Back to our Roger who wrote, Welcome back. While you were away, I joined a new running group. And met a man named Tony. While running together, he said he started running over a year ago as he had let himself get over 200 pounds. He's a little guy, so obviously he made a smart decision. Tony found himself out of work after a long stint as a retail manager and took advantage of newly found free time to start getting into shape. He was quiet and seemed very sensitive 
and what stood out to me most was that he asked questions. Not very common when talking to white males. When a 30-something dude in our group started bloviating about his conservative stances, reluctantly, especially given the recreational reasons for all of us showing up to run, I couldn't let him go on without being rebutted. Not only did quiet Tony empower me with his nods of agreement, he started to chime in and I couldn't help notice tears were welling in his eyes. Oh, the dude shut up. Question, Roger says, does anyone know what happened to the Tony who used to call into your show and usually closed with obvious emotion and say something like, my dog's the only person I love. Um, that Tony, no. And that was a long time ago. That was on the radio. This poor soul named Tony would call. And he would say it wasn't the dog was the only person he loved. He said the dog was the only person who loved him. And he was felt totally alone felt that no one would ever talk to him or listen to him. And it, and no matter how much I tried to buck him up, and you guys, the audience, tried to buck this guy up, he was resistant. People invited him to their homes on the air. Give him my phone number. Tell him. He's welcome to our family's Sunday dinner. Please tell Tony to come and bring his dog. There was all of this. There was always an outpouring of people reaching out to him, and he wouldn't ever reach back. And, you know, when people, you got to let them go. There was a very haunting piece in uh, yesterday's New York Times about a homeless woman in New York City who had had a brilliant prospects as a young woman and clearly became mentally ill, but how so many people cared about her and tried to help her, and she spurned all efforts. And you can only do so much, right? So no, I don't know what happened to Tony. I don't. We have another call. Hello. Hi, caller. Hello, Lynn. Yeah. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Hey, I agree with George about that older, wiser, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if everybody's like that. It seems like the people I run into are older. They're narrow-minded, closed-minded. They think they know everything, and you're, you know what the hell you're talking about, and they know what the hell's going on. Well, running that a lot. Well, I, you know, because I used to work, yeah, work repair work in homes, and they were old, and some of them were just something else. It was I know close-minded people. I know. So you know, the maybe fact is, certain people that work, but yeah. some of them I don't know. Maybe they just don't have it there to begin with. I appreciate <laughs> totally what you're saying because it's true. Um, age yeah, does age does not necessarily confer wisdom on you. Um, no. Right. Uh, Just look at the last election. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't want to get into that. Okay. Thank you. you. Have a good day. You too. Okay, goodbye. You too. Yeah, I mean, like all things, uh, your blanket statements do not ever hold up. Uh, yeah. There's plenty of, plenty of people who stopped uh, growing uh mentally and psychologically, emotionally, and all that stuff when they're, uh, you know, in their teens. You know, I I know young people who are already as good as they're going to get, you can tell, unless there's some incredible awakening in them. I'm not talking about you. Why do you speak <laughs> Am I not going to get to all of that stuff that I pulled out of the paper um henry writes so i couldn't go off the grid like you but henry you did start a written sentence with the word so i will delete it i couldn't go off the grid like you 
But I did try to take a page from your book and try a few things that have been somewhat transformational. First, I silenced my phone. That That's huge. I check my phone now when I'm good and ready. <laughs> good for you. Instead of when my phone beeps or vibrates. Good for you. We're all like Pavlov's dogs now, aren't we? This thing that we carry emits a sound and and immediately we are distracted from whatever it was we were doing. It's insane. It's insane. Good for you. And second, Henry writes, in February there was no CNN, MSNBC, nor Fox on my television. Yes! Uh, <coughs> excuse me. I watched only 30 minutes ABC World News at 6.30 each evening. That's all anyone needs. Third, in place of your show, I walked without my phone. I'm down six pounds for February. Well, you keep walking. Just walk at a different time or something. I'm glad you're back. Oh, glad you're back, he says to me. <coughs> I am too. Um, yeah, I'm down. I'm down about 14 pounds. Um, man, that's what not binge eating. It's not like I'm dieting. I'm just eating like a person should eat, you know. I've gotten in the habit of eating breakfast, which I never ate, and lunch, <laughs> and dinner, and then, astonishingly, not eating after. I got out of the habit of eating while watching television, because I don't watch much television, and I, that you just eat mindlessly then, right? So, yeah, this was this was rejuvenating and wonderful. And I, I wish that everybody had the opportunity to do it. I know a lot of people can't. Uh, we have a call. Hello. Hello, Lynn. It's Dave from Washington. Hi, Dave. Welcome back. Thank you. You know what? You hit the nail on the head, something I've been saying for a long time. Social media is a, it's a cancer. It really is. It's the reason why stupid kids are eating laundry detergent because they want to get a million people to watch them online or whatever and say, hey, I like that. It's the reason why people do half the stupid things that they do nowadays. Um, I got rid of my cell phone back uh, around Christmas time. Wow. And I actually got a really good deal on a new one, so I bought a new one. And first off, people couldn't understand how I went without a cell phone. And my whole thing is, just because they make them and they market them doesn't mean you have to have one. And I never make any phone calls. And um, texting, you know, I'll, I'll get drunk and text my buddies something stupid, and that's about it. I played the jukebox at the bar with it. That's about all I ever even used the phone for. And so I did get a new one last week, and at work, uh, you know, I mentioned to my boss, uh, I have a new uh, cell phone number, so here's my number in case you got to text me for something. And he said, cool, what kind did you get? Let me see it. And I said, I don't have it. It's at home. <laughs> he said, what do you mean you left it at home? <laughs> I said, I'm at work. I, I can't use it while I'm at work. I'm not going to sit there playing the phone. They just couldn't understand how you can have a cell phone and not have it on you all the time. Right, right, right. Oh, you feel naked without and it. it mon- yeah. And it monopolizes your life. Like you said, it goes off and you've got to answer it. No, it's there for your convenience. It's not there so that people can get a hold of you 24 hours a day. It's there for you to use whenever you want to use it. And you don't have to don't have to answer it. You don't have to carry it with you all the time. Right. Well, what if something happens? They say, well, what are you going to do after work? You know, without your phone? I said, I don't know. I'll probably go home. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's right. I have to tell you, I and feel... that, it's not on half the time. Right. I, it's so smart. I have to tell you, I feel like I sort of time-traveled uh, in February because I sort of went back to a slower, a human pace to live. Yeah. Not a pace that's dictated by the friggin' algorithmic uh, world that the tech people would have us uh, try to exist in. I hate it. And that's not to say that there's not a lot of good stuff out there, but I want to have control over how I access it. I don't want it having control over me. I went 55 years without a cell phone, and I did just fine. Then I did four years with one, and I decided I don't need this anymore. And like yeah. I said, I only got one because I got a really, really good deal on it. It's a really fancy phone. 
But um, even then, still, I don't do anything with it, really. It's over there. It's been charging since Saturday. I haven't even used it since Saturday. Wow. Well, but, I know. But social media is what's killing people. I refuse to look at Twitter. I do not read Twitter. And if I'm reading a, a news something, on, you know, a news item online, and they have little tweets there, I skip over them. I don't read them. Twitter is not news. News does not show up on Twitter. Now, maybe somebody who's more familiar well, with Twitter like you or whatever well, no. will argue with me about that. I would, uh, because it's but, good for breaking news. And, and then sometimes people will link you to, like, a really good article. That's what I like. But well, in between, well, but the thing is, is in between is all of this noxious crap of people trying to take down other people. And, and I, I just, ugh, ugh. It's, if, it's if, not if worth it's it. News that's, if it's news, it's worth hearing. And we're, you're going to find it. It doesn't. Right. It's not only going to show up on social media. You know, the fact and, and is, if I is, see it on social media. Right. A value. Disregard it. At the same time, a value that we now hold very dear in our culture and globally, I think, is this sense of immediacy that we've got yeah. to know something immediately. That there, there's something to be gained somehow with immediacy. And I am here to tell you that is absolutely bullshit. Bullshit. Yep. 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 If it's important, I will find out about it, and I'm not going to find out about it on Facebook. Thank you. Which is my... Okay. I'm not on Twitter, but I am on Facebook, uh-huh. and I've weaned myself from that a lot, too. Good. 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 To, good. Anyways, it's wonderful to have you back. It's great to hear from you. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Um, Thank you all for your um, getting a lot of emails saying uh, welcome back. I don't hear. Thank you. Um, uh, Someone saying the Reverend Graham, Billy Graham, someone you called an old coot in a New York Times article you brought up a couple years ago died while you were gone. And I hope you did what you said you'd do on your show a couple of years ago in which you brought him up in a New York Times article and avoided joining what you called the chorus of national mourning because of him forcing God down America. Um, I'm not a fan of uh, Billy Graham's, and uh, I noted his death, and that was all. Um, No. Uh, I think we have him to thank in large part for the sort of bringing on this televangelism and uh, evangelical fervor that uh, went from a religion to now just a political cult, it seems. And uh, I also, uh, his befriending of Richard Nixon and then the tapes that uh, came out in which Billy Graham was heard in his own unmistakable voice uh, to utter... um, anti-Semitic uh, tropes. Uh, no. And uh, another thing Billy Graham uh, did is uh, is pollute the world with his, uh, his son, Franklin, <laughs> who is a, a Trumpist and uh, uh, in every way the embodiment of what uh, evangelical Christianity has uh, unfortunately become. Um, so, that's what I have to say about Billy Graham's demise. I pay it no attention. We have another call. Hello. Hey, Lynn. Hey. George again. Well, George. Use, yes, uh, this is your wisdom coach calling to give you support, uh, okay, of what you said earlier. That newspaper on the left-hand side, wrinkle it up and throw it away, Okay. You're now into the new wisdom area where you're going to speak from your mind and not grab a newspaper article and uh, get into uh, your old frame of mind that you put in the past. Uh, Okay, that's just, this is your wisdom coach trying to help you out here. You don't read a newspaper anymore? Um, no, only online to tell you the truth. Well, but then this you is do. Not about me. This is about you. Well, this I know, but I, you. I'm a. Ida, I do. Lynn. Jesus. This is. I'm, I'm trying to help you here. Oh, and of course, I was joking about the wisdom thing. If somebody didn't get that, not all of us will be wise in old age. We will be 
probably what we were when we were younger, only with experience in between. Okay, so that newspaper, put it, wrinkle it up, throw it away. You're going to talk from your mind. Yes, I, I am, but I these papers are there because my mind also is aging and my memory is yeah, yeah, shot. Yeah, no, but you're Th- gonna that's here to remind me of what heart. I want to talk about. Okay. Yes, but this, this is yeah. what you have done in the past. This is the new Ida, Lynn, Miller, Cullen, etc., etc. The The age of wisdom is upon you, dear. And you said when you were driving in your car that you were going to do this. So I'm trying to help you. I'm kidding a little bit, of course. I hope. Okay. Hello? Thank you. <laughs> I'm here. Okay, I'm sorry I abused yes, the call. Yes, you sure as hell there. did. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> okay. Bye. 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 Uh, Dawn says, my best friend and I always say, the life you save just may be your own. <laughs> yeah, great. Good for you for taking care of you. My mom, Joanne, and I missed you, but are glad you are rejuvenated. Welcome back, sister. Thank you so much. Well, I, geez, I mean, the the job now is to hold on to it, right? Uh, a little Tony writes, if that Tony was a guy who used to call Uncle Dougie's show, too, I heard years ago on a local talk show that he had passed away. I thought I remembered that as well, that somebody did call and say he had died. I can't remember the details, but I remember the guy. He broke my heart when he would call the shows. I think his dog may have died, and it wasn't long after that he passed away as well. Uh, Yeah. I mean, yeah, he made everybody so unhappy because (laughs) he was so unhappy. And and yet, you know, so unhappy he wouldn't reach out to take, you know, hands were offered to him, and he wouldn't reach out to take the hand and at that point I think you have no choice but to walk away Roger says I bet your new wisdom coach is a white dude yeah he's a white dude and um, uh, you're saying that Roger because he's mansplaining (laughs) it's okay oh it's okay um, Tina says, per our, your discussion, I started not watching news on the weekend and mostly listened to the radio, loved Victoria on PBS, and of course reading, uh, and you're recommending a novel to me, okay, that your cousin wrote, Marion Hatley, uh, okay, well, thank you, um, and I am told that a bunch of people are sending emails to you on Gmail. Are you going to forward those to me at some? Oh, oh, okay, okay. So, um, okay. Can I just say, are we ever going to get to anything? Well, maybe not. I don't know. There's this. Can I just share one thing since we're talking about the horrors of, uh, you know, the reality of uh, technology and us being slaves to it? Um, I don't think that's too strong a uh, representation of our relationship with uh, our phones and our computers and all of that. We are in many ways slaves. Um, And there's this uh, rather unsettling but not surprising story, I guess it's in the New York Times today, um, about some new new app that's out there that allows people of ill intent to uh, make videos in which they... can take a picture, for instance, of me and literally, and in a, in a way that, believe me, uh, if you were to see it, you would think it was real. 
they can insert my face like in a porn video, let's say. And it doesn't look like it's photoshopped. It looks real because they did it to Michelle Obama. And anybody who has seen that has said it's just mind-blowing how real it is. So, uh, obviously, the ability to cause unbelievable damage uh, politically, uh, personally, to blackmail people, if this ability is out there, and it is, it's out there, uh, and... You know that what, what's that quote from uh, "Who you gonna believe, uh, me or your lion eyes or something, something, whatever"? Um, used to be that you could believe what you saw. It's not true anymore. And those of us who are relatively media literate, um, and that's not a lot of folks. Um, we have trouble discerning reality from fake news. And the ability to promulgate fake news, both print, photos, and now videos, is, uh, is there. It is the weaponization of artificial intelligence. And unfortunately, every time uh, some genius uh, creates something for good, that's what's in the genius's head, uh, there are people more than willing to take that information and, and use it for ill. And the problem is, is that misrepresentations, flat-out lies, whether uh, visual or written, that come to us on these devices, the lie, it is true, will be disseminated and will travel far, 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 be shared over and over again. And any correction which might occur, saying that that was fake, that's fake, never, ever gets the same promulgation. Um, so manipulated video is about to become commonplace and there's probably nothing we can do except to now be incredibly skeptical about anything we see. And ain't that sad? Ain't that sad? You've got one of these things. Do you want to post it on our? Or I can post it. Play it but it's visual. How are we going to play it now? Okay. No. Let's just. We can post it on our Facebook. Okay. My Facebook thing, which I never look at. Okay. <laughs> Um, you know, these companies like Google and Facebook, uh, they are not doing anywhere near enough to uh, corral the force which they have unleashed. Not anywhere near enough. And there's got to be some way to uh, hold them more accountable. I mean, imagine uh, now you can have a video of uh, candidates doing some unspeakable thing and it will make the rounds. And it looks as real as, as it can be. Oh, not good. That's why I was glad to see that a guy who I don't like, but he's done some good stuff, Stephen Brill, 
I don't like him for personal reasons. He was my brother's friend at Yale and uh, many, 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 many years ago. And uh, I just didn't like him, okay? Steve Brill, smart as heck. He's the one who uh, came up with Court TV, now long gone, but at the time it was revolutionary. He has, in journalistic circles, uh, put out a lot of really wonderful products. And he, today, is launching something called NewsGuard, in which he is employing a whole bunch of journalistic, savvy human beings to go through all of the promulgators of news on Facebook, on Twitter, all over the place, and rank them, rate them, for not for content particularly, but for hewing to journalistic standards. And so they are going to be putting, you know, a green light on anybody, you know, it could be a conservative, uh, right-wing place, but they hew to journalistic standards. Green, yellow, beware, and red, uh-uh, fake, fake, fake. <coughs> and um, they're going to have essentially what they call nutrition label write-ups about each brand. And so there, there's some... Over 7,000 uh, news brands that they are going to look through and um, and rank, rate, and these brands account for 98% of the uh, online news that we see. And the way they're going to uh, fund this effort is they are going to charge advertisers. And advertisers are willing to do this because they don't want their ads on fake news sites. They want to know. So advertisers are going to step up and, um, and help fund this. And also, he is intending to charge... Facebook, Google, Twitter, the very digital platforms that have created the problem in the first place. And uh, and apparently, I guess, he must have some indication that Zuckerman and some of the others are, are willing to have the help. So where Facebook and Twitter rely on these algorithmic ways of trying to sort through what's real and what's not, Brill says, that doesn't work. You want to really go through it? Then you got to employ, guess what? Human beings. Human beings. And so that's what they're going to do. Uh, Stephen Brill is joined in this by a guy named uh, Gordon Krovitz, who wrote a piece about it in the Wall Street Journal today. And he is a former publisher of the Wall Street Journal. Both of these guys come with uh, total uh, credibility in terms of real journalistic reputation. And... I wish them all the best. But ultimately, it, it comes down to each one of us, the ingestors, right? The readers, the listeners, readers, the listeners, too, understand who's behind what we're reading. And in that regard, I just want to note that the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette has taken another horrible turn. And I'm losing my ability to hang in there with them, although I did just re-up my subscription <laughs> before I left. 
I don't know that I will do that again. Um, it turns out that after the big brouhaha uh, about that revolting uh, editorial that they ran on Martin Luther King Day, um, something I ranted and raved about, uh, about calling people racist is the new McCarthyism and blah, 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 blah. It, just, it was so horrific. Um, unfortunately, uh, John Block, who is the publisher and editor-in-chief of our hometown newspaper, has doubled down. Uh, as you'll recall, he was criticized in journalistic circles, the editorial was. His own employees uh, staged uh, protests and wrote protests. The two biggest foundations in Pittsburgh wrote uh, uh, about their disgust at it. Uh, his own family distanced themselves from it. And what did our publisher and editor-in-chief of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette do, he doubled down. He has, in fact, destroyed what was left of the editorial board of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He has merged it with the editorial board of his other newspaper, the Toledo Blade, and he has put in charge of this hybrid editorial board the very man who penned the noxious editorial which was run on Martin Luther King Day. That man is now overseeing our local paper's editorial content and the only two people from the PG editorial board who are still on the board are Dan Simpson and Joe Smido that and John Allison I believe and that means that the one progressive voice and the one African-American voice that was on the board Tony Norman didn't make the cut. So, it's bad news. The good news when I was gone is the redistricting thing. Woo! Woo! Wow! I like it so far. I like it. I really do. And even if Connor Lamb manages to pull this off, I mean, he'll have to run, what, against Keith Rothfuss if he wants to stay in Congress, I believe. Mount Lebanon will be in the same district as that, the noxious Keith Rothfuss. Let's hope he could knock him off. I don't know. So um, things are a-changing, and, uh, and there's some good stuff going on. I haven't, didn't have an opportunity to talk about, and a little child shall lead them, this unbelievable, for the first time, some traction happening on gun control because of kids. God bless them. Because of the children. God bless them. And uh, it's not that the political reality has changed. But those kids are the future, and they will vote. They will start really voting. This is good. This is good. Well, guys, I guess I'm back, and uh, that was our maiden voyage. Um, my sister will join us tomorrow, as is our habit, I do intend to try to book more guests on the program to keep myself from, you know, getting nuts. And, um, and I'm going to make every effort, as I said, to keep this show something that I can continue to enjoy and that has uh, a, a reason for being <laughs> uh, for you as well. Okay? So 
Let's wish ourselves luck. And uh, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.